Okay, she's rooting for everybody black, and everybody black is rooting for her. Issa Rae joins us on this episode of Don't At Me. I loved it. Like, I, I got into it and thought I wanted to pursue it through high school, but found writing and then started directing in college and was like, oh. And I started directing, like, I guess, real actors. And I was like, oh, I was terrible. Okay, <laughs> got it. This is... Okay, cool. Well, this is where I'm going to be at. Like, I this was is behind crazy. the curse. <laughs> <laughs> I had a ways to go. Listen as we talk about being intentional in her work, managing the burden of representation, and, of course, obviously, we have to talk about the latest season of Insecure. What's up, Culture Machines? Welcome back to Don't At Me, the podcast where I get real about Hollywood with some game-changing creatives of color reshaping the landscape of entertainment. I'm your host, Justin Sibian. Today, we are thrilled to be joined by none other than Queen Issa Rae. She needs no introduction, but I'm going to give her one anyway. After breaking onto the scene almost a decade ago, when she was about five years old, where her web series, The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl, Issa went on to create the amazing HBO comedy series, Insecure, which just aired a fantastic fourth season. Since then, uh, she's gone on to make history, executive producing the All Black Woman Sketch comedy series, A Black Lady Sketch Show, uh, and starring in films such as Lovebirds and The Photograph. She's on your screens, your magazine covers, and always in her bag. Welcome back, Issa Rae. Hey, thank you for having me and my 15-year-old self back. I'm so happy hey, to I be know, here. Girl, you young, girl. You like 23 right now. I'm so right young. Now. I'm so like, yeah, you know, thank you. Black youth. Me too. Me too. Me too. You know, I'm under Oh, age, how so. are you? I'm, um, I'm, I'm 19. I'm 19 years old. 19? Yeah. Dang, you're younger mm-hmm. than me. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I shave, <laughs> when I shave my beard, I just become a 19-year-old. Um, you do have a young ass face. I will give you that. I have a you baby have a face. a ass face. It's very unfair. You know, what's, but what's weird, though, is like when I need to get mad, though, or like I need to be a diva or I need to like call my agent, you know, when I need to see a manager or something like uh, people don't take it seriously. But, you know, that's why the beard's there. Yeah, Issa, the Issa congratulations. Justin. This season was so great. And I have to say, and I know I'm not I'm not alone in saying this, like it was so comforting to have this season to watch right now because, you know, everything black in the world is very necessarily, uh, you know, being about this reckoning and, you know, the violence to black people um, and all of these very necessary things. But to be able to like kind of sink into a black world where the problems were, you know, interrelational and, you know, it was about, is this block party going to work or Issa and Bali going to be friends? Like was so wonderful in during this time in a way that like i just want you to know it was really powerful for a lot of people um and just get your thoughts on that because obviously I, I, like i remember there was like a instagram post where you guys were like it might have been you or it might have been um the, in, the insecure instagram saying you know yeah. uh it feels weird to promote the show right now but you know there is an episode tonight and i'm just curious like how how are you feeling right now with all that stuff going on i uh was feeling a lot of anxiety. I was feeling really worried. Um, and first of all, thank you for all of that. And thank you for your texts throughout the season. I very much enjoyed them, even though you are very bossy with your storyline. <laughs> 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 <But>, Team Nathan! 
(laughs) (laughs) But it was, you know, I still feel it, but I just felt this overwhelming sense of dread because, and this is obviously, you know, historical, it's a tactic, but I, I felt a sense of fear for the people who were speaking up and who were putting their lives on the line and, um, I, you know, we've seen with the Ferguson protests how so many people mysteriously died, and I just thought about, you know, the the young black girl who recorded George Floyd, and mm-hmm. you know, all the people who were visible, and just thinking about like we can keep fighting, but is it gonna is it gonna matter this time? And right. I know a lot of us felt heavy hearted and. Um, a sense of despair, and so yeah, we had a TV show on the air. None of that feels important. None of it. None of it. It that also didn't seem to matter in the grand scheme of things. Things, but it wasn't like we could stop the episode from airing. And so we were talking about like backstage, uh, back uh, behind the scenes, just like what we could do at least to to change the messing around messaging around it. And, you know, we had a conversation with HBO and they were great about like who they could donate to. Like, can we yeah. uh, dedicate this episode to, to an organization? Like, what can we do? What can we do? And I think that it helped that everyone wanted to figure it out. Uh, and so when we released that message, first of all, Natasha released a, a, an initial me- message that was just, you know, perfect in tone and mm-hmm. people yeah, responded I think that might really be, well to that. I think I might be referring to hers actually, but yeah. Yeah, she started them and we released one and to see the response where people were like, bitch, I thought you were going to cancel it. You better give us this episode or, you know, things <laughs> like that. It was really, it was, it oh, was the kids hard would not have been happy. The kids would not have been happy. No, no. And then I think the timing of the episode that aired helped because if we were on some like, fuck shit, that episode, it may have had, you know, um, mm-hmm. a different tone, but it just, the episode that aired was, you know, kind of a, it was about black love. It was, you know, it was about um, forgiveness. It was about, you know, it was just, it, it had elements that weren't necessarily depressing. So I think that that helped mm-hmm. uh, significantly. And what was also kind of cool too, and I'm sure you didn't intend it, but you know, this happens all the time, particularly with black shows. uh, You know, they had that, that really funny police officer moment. And the dude's like, yeah, not me, not today. And I laughed at that so fucking hard (laughs) because it was like, yeah, I don't want to see him pull a gun out on Issa and like, <laughs> chase her through the streets. Like, I don't, I, I want this to end well. And so, you know, having, and of course, Insecure, you know, I think y'all are trolls because y'all make people mad on purpose about yes. stuff, but then also give us what we want. And it's a very abusive relationship, but I'm happy to be in it. And, um, you know, I don't know. I do, how do you, I, I mean, what I'm starting to realize and wake up to is that this feeling like it would be gauche to self-promote ourselves or to ask for awards consideration or to promote things. We're made to feel like that's petty, but that's how gaslighting works. You make the person who you're abusing feel like they're stupid for wanting what anybody in their situation would want. Yeah. I think that's what I had to come to terms with was like, this is not my, this is not my doing. Like they, we need to be (laughs) celebrated. Like, why am I feeling guilty? Like I, I am a victim in this as well, but I think it's just about, you know, respecting the tone and what people are talking about. It is, it it was a balance. Um, So yeah, that's been, now I'm over it, but it was, it was definitely hard at the time. 
All right. That's I want to keep talking about that, but I also want to bring us into um, one of our first Instagram questions. Uh, Brendan, what do you got for us? So our first question is from Sydney Did It. Um, she asks, I would love to know what are her non-negotiables for her work, whether it be self-care boundaries for her time or prioritizing her team or types of projects she is adamant about not working on. And please tell her I love her work. <laughs> oh, thank you, Sid did it. Um, I have just started to develop some non-negotiables on my personal, in my personal life. And so that involves trying not to work on weekends, especially during this pandemic. It just felt useless to subject myself to the same, you know, hours and, and work days per week. Uh, so I've been really intentional about giving myself time off and to not think about work on the weekends That's or great. at least a Saturday. Um, and then just in like on, on the professional side, I just, I, I only want to be in business with people I want to be in business with. And I only, you know, want to tell stories that I actually would want to see on the, on the big screen. I think with the, the staff that I work with, I really value their opinion a lot. And if someone is very, very passionate about it and if I'm lukewarm, then, you know, if I trust that person, then we give them passion projects. But in general, I, I need to love everything that I do. Yeah. Do you think that the 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 pandemic and um, the Black Lives Matter protesting, has that had an effect on, you know, some of those non-negotiables, like what you're willing to put up with, what you're not? Justin, what an excellent question, because I will say, and I guess you're the first to hear this publicly, but um, I especially after this this show and you know we have the season plan we have the the series planned mm-hmm. um, but the way that this episode episode 8 our Issa and Lawrence episode aired during this time of turmoil for us mm-hmm. and knowing what was coming knowing the season finale knowing like where we were taking it i was like and seeing how people responded to it it just felt different this time because yeah. Yeah. been deprived of so many specific stories and even people predicting the ending. I was like, oh man, with Issa and Lawrence, they're just waiting for the other shoe to drop because we're not used to shit just going well in Black right. narratives and in Black narratives about love. And something about that made me sad. Uh, and I don't, I wouldn't have felt this way if we weren't going through this at that time. And so mm. part of me, I was telling Alina about this. I was like, yo, I don't, I don't want to make sad shit. I don't want to make traumatic shit anymore after this. Like, I don't want to make, like, I want to make love stories. I want to make like triumphant stories. I want to tell, and obviously there'll be conflict and stuff, but there's part of me that's just like, I don't want, and not to say that insecure is by any means traumatic, but this is just on a larger scale. When I think about the, what's, what's released, what's rewarded, um, what, what, what gets attention. And we've had conversations about this before. I'm just like, I, want to see more black joy. I want to have more feel good work and there can be a balance, but there's just not enough. Uh, and the scale is tipped heavily one way. Yeah. I feel that. I mean, I feel that, I feel that so hard. I I just, you know, came out of Sundance with a horror movie, um, where I changed the ending because, uh, I might have to edit this out, but I changed the ending because (laughs) I felt like, I felt like, you know, in white things, when tragedy befalls a character, it feels like an artistic choice. It feels interesting. Mm -hmm. It feels bold. It feels like, oh my God, Natalie Portman dies at the end of Black Swan. Like it it feels like bravura. When Black people do that, which, you know, I think all of us, 
you know, we're looking at our white counterparts as, as, you know, that's the bar. Like that's what other shows are doing. That's what other things are doing um, that are critically acclaimed. That's what I should do. Um, and I, and I appreciate that. I appreciate like the tragic and all that stuff and, and have certainly, certainly made life very hard for all of my characters. But I realized at, at, at a certain point though, the tragic retelling of our lives um, that we keep telling ourselves is, it's just having, it's hitting different for black characters. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had to go through that realization myself on, you know, my own project. So I really feel that. And especially in the wake <laughs> of this. Well, did you change the ending? That's what I was going to ask. Did you change it? I Look, and I'm not going to give anything away. I'll just say this. The ending was really interesting. And I think it's intellectually a very great ending. And some people really love that ending. But I think emotionally, like, if I'm making this movie for Black women, and I am, then um, it's not right for me to to put them through what is an intellectually interesting experience that might be emotionally traumatic. That's what I. Ooh. That's where I got to. Um, but you know, to each his own. Everything's different. <laughs> every, yeah. every every yeah. every reason for making different. Is different. Next year, I mean, who knows? I may be like, well, fuck niggas, and they gonna get the smoke like in my work. Honestly. I don't fuck with Molly anymore. What happened? Who's responsible? Did anyone see this coming? Could anyone have stopped it? Is Latoya just missing? Or was she murdered? Well, tell me this. When you guys, knowing that the show always sparks debate, there are fan wars, there are all kind of things that you know are going to like get people excited, get people happy, freak them out. Before all of this, when you're going in for season four, you know, I guess this time last year, what were the first thoughts? Like, you know, you don't have to be specific if you don't want to ruin anything or give anything away. But like, you know, what do you guys what's on your mind in that room? Like, what are you guys like? Oh, I want to give it to him this way. I want to I want to, you know, make him fall in love with Jay. Like, what, what, what are you guys talking about? Well, like season four, it was very much about like um, the friendship between Issa and Molly and Prentice, mm-hmm. you know, on our annual uh, cabana sessions before we start the writers room, we always meet. And he was like, I just, I imagine starting the season, like, I don't fuck with Molly anymore. And I love those words. Like we had been building to it um, season and by the end of season three of just like this discord in the relationship. And I just thought that those words were really pr- provocative. And he was inspired when I said that I wanted to tell uh, in season three, thinking about season four, I was like, I wanted to have, uh, an episode where we we where we kind of flash forward into the future and wonder how we got there, and mm. so that's kind of um, where that where that came about. And though that was the discussion, and then everything else was just like you know a, a part of telling that story. And with Lawrence in particular, no, we 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 had a lot of different conversations about about the Lawrence character. That that episode had a couple different places too within the season. Um, until we figured out, you know, which way we wanted to go. Um, but it was always about East and Molly. And yeah, contrary to popular belief, we do, we think about our audience, but we don't necessarily know which moments are going to trigger audiences. Mm. And we don't mm-hmm. try to predict those. It's not like sweet, 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 right. sweet for us where we're like, oh, this is about to be the thing with the exception of maybe like a penultimate or the finale. But I think, um, yeah, I know for the... 
Sorry, I just remembered the scene. <laughs> Shout out to Christina, who you went Woo! to. Wait. No, you didn't go to. You went to school at L. L. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know L from back in the day, but I, I, but I've I've met Christina recently. She's lovely and she's great in the show. Yeah, she's just so great all around in twenties and everything. She's so dope. Um, yeah, she's really good. So how is that different this time? Because, um, you know, I'm assuming y'all are writing the new season over Zoom. I saw the, you know, you guys back to work, an impressive time. Uh, some of your fans were definitely not feeling my comment, like, take a break, guys. Don't get back to work. And people were like, no, they need to. Like, <laughs> <laughs> They're so abusive. They really, drivers. they really it's are. crazy. So but how I mean, has that we've been? been it's we talked about this. Zoom writing rooms are Woo. brutal. <laughs> and like you know why they're so brutal, but they are. You feel more exhausted afterwards. And I'm like, it's yeah. less time. Are y'all still doing you're not doing eight hours, are you? No, we're not doing anything right now. We're waiting. Well, <laughs> we're waiting on a number of things. Uh, but okay. you know, we we the scripts have been done for a while, so we are uh, trying to figure out what going into production looks like and the timing and all that kind of stuff. And uh, right, all right. I have some black people concerns that need to be addressed before I go back to set. So that's yes, where I'm at. amen. Um, but like, but yeah, uh, but, yeah but like, uh, especially while you're watching really the world change. I don't know where it's going to net out. I don't know if it's going to change all the way around, but the world is certainly changing. Um, how does that affect your process in that room? It affects everything. Uh, it's something that we talked about, you know, for the first couple of weeks. And I just realized, or I immediately got fatigued because we're living it. So we were talking mm. about whether or not we were going to address the COVID of it. And obviously LA is such a huge part of our show. And the, excuse me, the black businesses that we feature would uh, will undoubtedly be affected. They already are affected. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. um, that affects the aesthetic, that affects some of the storylines. Issa, <laughs> the character is going, is in event planning. Um, in, <laughs> right, in, right, know, right. Time. So it's right. like, in the real world, she she chose a terrible passion. <laughs> she uh, did! <laughs> I didn't through. even think about it. Oh my God, Issa. So Issa we've been D. going back and forth. I know Issa D is kind of fucked, but part of me <laughs> just wants to address it without addressing it. And yeah. so that's been part of the conversation. And then the other hard part about this is so much of our writer's room is, and our sto the stories we tell are based off of being out there in the world, living our lives, having adventures and bringing those stories back into the room. And so yeah. Uh, a lot of that is lost. Um, so we're, we're working it out. But th this, this season is very different this time in a way that mm. helps and, and won't affect it. When you'll find out why very soon. But um, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, and I don't want to pry, girl, because I don't want to. I don't want your fans to come for me spoiling <laughs> things. And I don't know what y'all be mad at me about, but they mad. Um, oh, stay mad. They're going to stay mad at me. Uh, last time you were on the show, we talked about... Um, you know, like the burden of representation. And uh, every time I see you, it just really dawns on me like, boy, there's a lot of people who project onto Issa D, the character. You know, I mean, she really is yeah. us. And therefore, a lot of people are projecting onto you, Issa Rae. And 
you know, we talked a little bit about people trying to put the show on blast for not using condoms. And actually, those same people are total fuckboys. Like, you know, how is that going? (laughs) Like, has that gotten better? (laughs) Has it gotten worse? Are you finding Uh, ways to sort of protect yourself? Or do you do you I mean, some people start to enjoy it at a certain point, you know, How, how are you taking it? Yeah, it, it started happening with the first couple of episodes. And I was like, you know, wow, they really find something every episode to kind of nitpick about what we're not representing properly, how we should be representing certain things differently. And now I just find, you know, humor in it of just like, oh, I expect it. I'm like, okay, what are they going to be upset that we didn't do right this week? What did it mean? <laughs> how did we portray this, this, this segment of the Black population correctly? How is this? Um, under how do we underrepresent someone this week? So it's just, you know, I've just gotten used to it, and it just comes from people wanting more shit, and yeah. I can't do anything about that. You know, we we constantly talk about we can't be everything for everyone, and I think it's interesting with black storytelling, in particular, we feel a sense of ownership towards it. At least that's that's what I've been witnessing with our show. Is like people, mm-hmm. in a sense, think that it's theirs and I've I've never seen so much of it should be about this it should be about this it should be and mm-hmm. it's like this is my story you know it's about me and my friend so like I can't change that's what it's gonna be about like it's yeah. not gonna be about anything else <laughs> that. that's the premise about, of the show <laughs> that's the premise of the show it's about these two characters it's not about black america it's not leading us to the revolution it's not any of those things but what it is and um i think that's what's been that's what i've just had to 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 reiterate to myself and yeah. and to the audience tv shows are kind of like therapy like your audience is like your client. They're going to transfer their feelings onto you. They're good feelings, they're bad feelings. And, um, you know, some people don't realize that's what's happening. And so the show's bad or the show, like, you know, mm-hmm. didn't do the right thing. But really, they're experiencing things that they're not used to experiencing with a show because they've never really seen their tea spilled quite in the detail that, you know, Black shows are being able to do now. Um So I think that that's great because I think that's really what we all want is for like, even when people get mad at the show, even when I'm texting you how furious I am at the disrespect (laughs) that Barbara Bay is being treated with, um, you know, I it's that's what's fun about the show is that it provokes it provokes a reaction. Um, So I I hope you all keep provoking because it it was just so good. It's been really good, but. I don't know. Something about being able to watch it in quarantine with the world ending has just been really wonderful. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. <laughs> now, how do you now? How do you feel? Because you know, you got. I feel like your name is always in the awards conversation. We're we're in another Emmy contending contention season. Um, you know, we're starting to ask ourselves questions about does recognition from historically white institutions like the Academy matter. Um, how are you feeling about that these days? Obviously, Insecure deserves that, but I'm just uh, Oh, thanks. I don't know. I just try to not think about it because, you know, it It just it doesn't really have anything to do with me. It really is about, like, who these white people and who these board members deem worthy. And so part mm-hmm. of that is, like, okay, uh, cool and cool. Like, I just – either way, but I – so I don't know. I, I think um, I get really excited for 
for everyone else. It's it's obviously great if it happens because I it gets the the show more recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it doesn't happen, it's just you know we're still now, who we are. Now I'm just gonna say this because someone asked me this question maybe a year and a half ago, and I just stared at them blankly. I feel like you already are on this, but like, are you and the room and the cast and everybody related to the show? Are y'all all um, a part of the TV Academy? Yes, but Good. only recently. I'm not yeah. gonna lie because no. I don't, like same I with dear white people. Lie. Yes, thank you. I just signed up. Like literally, I talked about a. I was like talking to a white because you know when you start talking to white people about what goes on in their version of the thing you're doing, it's very eye opening and infuriating. <laughs> but you know, I, I was talking to um, a, a white writer on a on a white show, and it was like, well, yeah, well, I mean, you have your room just join the academy, right? I mean, that's. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, no, yeah. your room needs to join the academy so that you, you know, have a certain amount of people that, you know, are just rooting for you. And I was like, I, what do you, I can join today. Like what, like, cause nobody explained that to me. Like nobody thought that was important to break down to me. And yeah, I find it's insider secrets. And I, and I find that it's pretty disproportionate along racial lines that black shows are not shocked. Yeah, I know. I'm not, I, somehow they managed to shock me still. I don't know why or how it happens, but I mean, I'm not going to act like I knew the whole time. Like I said, and even when I sign up, it's still like, I'm on, I'm not eligible for this season. I'm eligible for next season. So it's just, I didn't, I didn't know. Uh, And I, to be honest, I still don't know that I'd vote. I should, I absolutely should, but it's just not something that I, I I thought about or think. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we're, I think we're encouraged to feel petty to (laughs) because we should be so lucky to be in the fucking room, but you know, that's correct. Girl, let me not get angry this early in the interview. So, okay. Um, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to cool off. You're going to sip your drink. I'm going to pack a bowl. And, uh, I believe they're going to advertise Casper mattresses. I don't know, but we'll be right back. Okay. And we are back. Um, all right. So this is a segment that we're trying to introduce. Um, and I'm going to bring it up with you, Issa, because I know that this is a passion of yours. Um, but let's at someone. So who are some lesser known, maybe creatives or even black owned businesses doing their thing that more people should know about? I feel like you've got like 55 right now on your phone. I don't know. Maybe I'm putting you on the spot and I'm part of the problem now, but who you got? Anybody? Um, my at that that keeps coming to mind just because I love, I love black people who bring other black people on, and I'm a fan of his. But Mark Phillips, like he makes these hilarious internet videos, and they cast his friends, and they're always like these relatable, hilarious moments. Like they feel like your brothers or your the dudes that you went to high school with, and. Uh, he's just hilarious. He's he's amazing. Um, so I'd like to add him. I think he's Supreme Dreams on YouTube. Okay, um, at Supreme Dreams. Like okay, Supreme Dreams one maybe. Sorry, I'm I'm fucking up already. Oh hell. Um, okay. And Black Business. I mean Tacos Negros. It's from Chef Elisa, who has my two cents. And yeah. Oh like, yes. That shit is bomb. Like ne- I'm crazy. my two cents is bomb. So of course yeah. Taco Negros. Oh, that's amazing. 
Yes. Not playing any games. So I gotta I gotta shut them up. And it's it's available for delivery. I mean, obviously, yes. you're in LA, but yeah. Nah, nah, fuck that. Y'all need to order these tacos, no matter where you are, and support this this business. Um, yes, we now, do. Now, Brendan, uh, give us another IG question, because I'm looking at one right now uh, on our prompt document. Yes, for sure. And I think it's time. <laughs> it's time. Uh, <laughs> all right, so this is from Gabriella Cator. Uh, um, she asks, how did Issa's acting come about? She always wanted to be an actress or was acting secondary to writing? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting because I, like in elementary school, did my first play. I did a, a Midsummer Night's Dream and a teacher cast me as Demetrius, which is a boy. And I was super offended because I was, you know, the only black girl in the class. <laughs> I was like, black girl, boy. But I loved it. Like I, I got into it and thought I wanted to pursue it through high school, but found writing and then started directing in college and was like, oh, and I started directing like, I guess, real actors. And I was like, oh, I was terrible. Okay, <laughs> got it. This is... Okay, cool. Well, this is where I'm going to be at. Like, I this was is behind great. the curve. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a ways to go. And <laughs> then it kind of fell back into it by accident again because of, of Awkward Black Girl. And by then I had still been like, this is not necessarily my ministry. I still love to, <laughs> to write and produce. And um, at the time I thought I liked to direct. But uh, I really want to get the show off the ground. The girl who I want to cast in this is in law school in DC. Like I need to get this done now before someone else does it. And so since then, it's kind of just been a progression of uh, continuing to do it. And only in the last couple of years have I decided like, look, if I'm going to keep doing this, like I have to give it the same level of of study and care that I do for writing and for anything else. Um, so I've been like, I've made a conscious decision moving forward to just like really, really get the best at it I can while I still have the opportunity to do it. Cause it is fun. Like I will take a writing job or a producing job over an acting job any day. Um, but you know, to have the opportunity, like I, I like to challenge myself and I like to get like good at shit. So I want to see what I can do. Well, you're a star. I mean, I, that, <laughs> I could tell. I mean, I remember seeing the pilot for Insecure. Like, I remember seeing the pilot like before the shit hit TV, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like, you know, and even like seeing you in Awkward Black Girl, um, you were so kind when we first, first, first met virtually. You came down to the set of Dear White People and are in the oh movie. Um, highlight of my life. That shit was and- in Minnesota. That shit was in Minnesota. Wow. Mm-hmm. Minneapolis, actually. Um, yes, ma'am. But uh, I, when I saw that pilot, I was like, there is nothing I wouldn't show up to hear you say. <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> it's like you have a thing that when you're on screen, um, you just can't look away. It's You're so compelling. And um, for me, that really, really had a wonderful showcase with Lovebirds. Fuck! Who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are we? We're the people who want some answers, bitch! The bigger question is, who the fuck are you?
again, I thought that movie was exactly what I needed. You know, it was, I kind of joked a, a little bit like, oh my God, this is like comedy queen and slim because it's like, they're on the run. <laughs> There's like police brutality and et cetera, but it's really fucking funny. And like, yeah, we shot it at the same time as Queen and Slim. That's wild. Yes, crazy. Crazy. How, how was that like coming out in COVID? Obviously, you know, everybody was hoping to see that in theaters. Um, I had a wonderful date night at home watching it with my boo. Uh, so I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed being able to watch it at home. But um, how was that like coming out? <laughs> that shift? Uh, I feel like. You guys were realizing what was happening right as it was. Yeah, I think it was like, you know, my manager was saying, uh, I think when things were developing, I think in February, he was like, people are getting scared. You know what they're not going to want to do in April? Go to the theaters. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> wait, really? And so went from bummed and Kumail has, you know, his, his wife, um, is immunodeficient. So she, he was extremely on, on alert and, mm, you know, mm-hmm. I, understandably so. And so we were going to have to get on planes and do this massive press tour and go to South by Southwest. So we were like, they were expecting us. South by Southwest canceled like at the last minute. Right. Um, right. But luckily Netflix, you know, stepped up to the plate. Everybody wanted it. And it just ended up being the best case scenario for that. Like it, it sucks not being able to have seen it with a live audience. But this is, I think this is how it was meant to be consumed at the end of the day. Right. I, well, it was, it was, I just thought it was so sly because it was like, oh, we see these two, I'm going to say it, people of color because Kumal mm. is not black, but like these two people of color navigating white people, like whiteness, <laughs> but from yeah. a slightly comic standpoint and they're clear, like you guys are always the smartest folks in the room. Um, I just thought it was such a treat. Like when you signed on to it, did you know that that's what it was going to be? Like what made you say yes to that, that part? I, I said yes, because I thought that it was, the, the concept was funny. Um, and specifically thinking about like breaking up with a significant other, breaking up with your partner and then having to rely on them to mm-hmm. exonerate yourself cracked me up. And then, of course, you know, Kamel was already attached and I I loved his work. I, th- I think he's hilarious and loved him on Silicon Valley and, and followed his comedy career and um, was just like, this would be dope to do. Like, I'd love to just work with him. And so we spent a lot of time trying to at least refine the characters a bit more because they were, you know, generic white people. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it wasn't uh, really written for you and Kamal. It was like a script that existed and then it had to be kind of fitted. Is that what you're saying? He, uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like the characters' names were Eric and Julie. And, you know, <laughs> okay. it, it was a bit different. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, well, it, that's, it to that. Well, that's really cool. Um, I, I really love the movie and especially like the eyes wide shut sequence. Like, cause you know, Kubrick is my shit. I was like, they're doing, they have the masks and the sexcapades on the stage. It was just so, it was honestly like such a fun evening <laughs> and it felt special uh, when it came out. And I know you said you're, you know, in the future, you only want to make projects that you love and work with people that you like, but like, will you work with me anyway? I'm just curious. <laughs> Justin, I'm waiting. Do you know what we can do? Do you know what 
do it together. I'm waiting. Issa, I do know. I'm ready for it. I think about it all the time. <laughs> like this is bound. It's bound on your podcast. At me then. Do I'm it. ready. I'm ready. I'm so ready. And you know, as soon as we are out of dear white people land, um, then I think I'll be a little bit more freer to do some things. But uh, no, what do you? done with Dear White People just to, to get into specifics until you know your production schedule. Is that correct? Um, We'll talk after we have done okay. recording okay. the podcast. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no more, fam. Girl, today was a day. Oh, oh man. God. So, um, but anyway, moving on from that, uh, I thought it was a real, even though the photograph was also, I think, a really hot and talked about movie. Um, Lovebirds, because, you know, it's also comedic. For me, it just felt like, oh, my God, like, if people don't get it, they got to get it now. Uh, ha- have you have you found that to be true? Are there roles that you're, you're looking forward to, um, you know, because of that, that, you know, maybe you, you weren't before? I, I don't know. But has it changed anything about the roles you take? Yes, 100%. It has. And I'm really excited about um, some of the roles that I'm going to take on moving forward, uh, specifically because they're forcing me to do the work. Like I want, Mm. you know, again, to just see what else I'm capable of and push myself. And so there are a couple of things. But I love I love humor. And so that's another part of it. I'm just Mm -hmm. like, if I I can't bring any element of humor, even if it's a drama, like I got to bring some sort of element of humor because um, I just love it. I love, um, it, even if it's dark, if it's, you know, um, whatever it is, I I, I, I love that because I think that, that any, any form of levity just helps you to enjoy something a bit more, at least in my case. But I think uh, the the genres that I'm, I'm taking on, I'm very excited about. Well, it's it's lovely to see. I mean, it's like you're all you're all of us. Like that that sort of awkward but also empowered <laughs> thing that you do. It's just really amazing to see it. It's like every time I fall, I fall for it. It's like so great. Um and I also thought just so you know, just so you hear it for me, like I thought I thought emotionally, I don't know. I just I thought you were so you're so good in the show, but to see you be that good because it wasn't it wasn't Issa D. It was a different character, and to see you kind of branch out a little bit and give us some real moments and give us some comedy that I don't think we've seen from you. Because you know, like at least I got the impression that there was some improv going on. That there was a lot of like it was very talky, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to see you hold your own next to Kumal was like not hold your own, in my opinion. No, they, no. Real, he's still he, the spotlight he, in some cases. Um, sorry, I'm not trying to pitch y'all against each other. I'm just saying you were very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, he's a beast. So I take that as a compliment because it's just like he is. He is a, a just with the jokes. He's rapid fire. It is. It is hard to keep up with him, but he's so funny and, and generous and great. The other thing I want to talk about a little bit and that I'm always kind of in awe of because, you know, you really I feel like you have a very genuine and authentic expression of your brand. Like, I feel like when I talk to you in private, I don't feel like I'm talking to a brand. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm talking to a human being. But at the same time, you're you're clearly really 
savvy about the other spaces that you go into. And I want to just kind of talk about that from a little uh, for a little bit, uh, starting with radio. Now, what is radio um, and and how is that being incorporated into to what you do? Well, you know, we're going to talk offline about who you talk to that you think is a brand, first of all. Oh, <laughs> that didn't have to be interpreted as shade to okay. anyone else. I did, but... Uh... <laughs> I didn't mean it like that, I swear. <laughs> I, you know what? I have a voice that, like, whether or not I even am actually throwing shade, it just seems like I am. <laughs> you do, but it's so perfect. It's literally a perfect voice, so whatever. <laughs> Um, well, radio came about because I have my love for music and I, I, I've been approached in the past, um, by music labels to try to pursue a career as an artist. And I always found that comical, like, y'all, y'all aren't serious. Like, you know, like Issa D can't rap. Like, this is not something that I want to do. Uh, but then the idea came about, uh, to have a label and that really intrigued me because it, it was a platform and you know it it was it's a platform for artists it's a it's um an area that i just respect and admire so much like i'm not a musician by any means but um i do think i have an ear and i have a passion for 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 good music and to be able to give artists that i respect and admire a platform to to be their best and to give them the resources and to, to help them have the connections that they need to, to have success really excited me and specifically multi hyphenate artists. It's something that mm. we were already doing on the writing side. Mm-hmm. So to, to help to elevate, elevate artists to um, different areas, whether it was acting or, or screenwriting or directing um, really appealed to me. And so that's what we've been We've been doing it, and then of course on the music supervision side uh, with Insecure and and now other shows, just providing services. Oh, it's just you are so smart! Like, goddamn! I hope you have some time after this. I'm gonna call you and take a couple notes. But um, I also want to clarify: is radio like Issa Ray is R A E D I O? In case the kids want to Google, um, and you have an artist named Timar, right? Who is one of your main artists. Um, will you tell us a little bit about that artist that I don't know, actually? Timar, oh, Timar is phenomenal. She just released an EP before I spill myself, and it has no mm. skips. She's uh, Haitian, and I just love her. I love her voice, but what drew me to her is her storytelling. She's a phenomenal songwriter, and what how she writes and what she talks about feels like one of your girlfriends is singing to you. And talking all the shit about her sexual experiences, her coming of age. Yes. She's just very raw. Um, and yeah, or really, really raw, as she would say it. And then we have another artist, Young Baby Tate, who uh, is a singer and can rap. I think she's transitioning more into singing, though. But she's she's also fire and an industry favorite and um, also comes from music royalty. So I'm excited for people to see wow. both of them. That's dope. And you guys are working with Tenderfoot TV and HBO on the Looking for Latoya podcast. Is that correct? Yeah, right now it's a one-off. We just released it so, just to you know, give people a bit more. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I should say collaborated and have released, I should say. Uh, but I think that's amazing. 
Thank you so much. Uh, the The writers behind that are hilarious and brilliant. It is a mess of a show. Um, <laughs> and listen to it. it is really a hot shitty mess. Now the shout last out time, shout out. Uh, okay, the last time we talked, we got in, a lot into about like finding fun in our work and. Um, have you found that the more you diversify and get to sort of express yourself in all these different ways, does that bring more fun in? Um, how's that been going since we last chatted? It brings the fun in, but I, I realize I don't like managing people. Mm. Um, I don't know if I'll get in trouble for saying this, but <laughs> like the fun part is the creating. It's when you're able to put your head together and your heads together and, 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 and make something that you think is great, make something that you think is worthwhile to, to showcase to the public. Like that's exciting, but the managing people part and personalities is very hard. And it's not what I signed up for, to be honest. Mm. Girl, I know. I don't I know it. By the way, this is random, but um the fact that Issa D and Samantha White have the same mom is something that I just ah. feel like we're gonna have to address at some point. <laughs> I was like, it's, I was like, fuck. And I only realized it afterwards. I was like, oh fuck, that's why. Because I have a I have a, I have to say that I have, you know, a history with with Miss Wendy, like grew up in a, when I, when I was taking acting seriously, I was part of her AGC program. She's awesome. I completely forgot the brilliant. Oh, you know, don't be. I'm not. It's the, it, I love it. I, I'm like, let's follow this thread through. Are we, is Sam and Issa, are they half sisters and they don't know each other? Do they know each other, but they don't speak? Like what happened? Like I'm ready. <laughs> they don't speak. Different daddies, obviously. Um, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so there's a start. Oh God, but, I'm ready yeah. for that spread off. They got the That actually would work because we've never seen Issa's dad on the show. So I'm saying, man. She was at look, she was at Winchester. I have the footage. Issa went to yeah. Winchester. I have seen it. You're right. Oh, my God. So now there's a whole other dimension happening that people didn't even see. And we did it on I purpose. We didn't just come up with it now. We totally did that on purpose. It's been a part of it the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. Um, okay, talk to me really quick about um, Coastal Elites. Uh, we've been hearing about this pandemic comedy starring you, Bette Midler, Sarah Paulson, Dan Levy. What is that? It is. I just, right before this, uh, came from a Zoom rehearsal and did a Zoom table read, and it is just as bad as it sounds. Tell me, let's (laughs) say it's to do that and have a bad internet connection is mortifying. To see Bette Midler, (laughs) Sarah Paulson, and Dan Levy, and all these amazing J. Rose, a fantastic director, and then you're the black girl whose internet is fucking up is. More, I'm still reeling, so um, I'm excited to do it. I hope that I still have a part after. Oh my god, I'm so sorry to traumatize you with that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I'm very, very excited. It's a phenomenal cast. I love the script, and it's it's just, um, it's it, it'll be familiar to a lot of people. Oh, I can't wait. I always love seeing you and shit. Uh, y'all take one more break and we'll be back with our last segment. Don't ask me. That's not what I was called w- with our last segment. <laughs> I haven't even started smoking weed yet. <laughs> Don't at me. That's the name of the show. Okay. We'll be back. All 
All right, y'all. So we are back from break, uh, and we are going to start with an, one more question from our lovely Culture Machines. Again, that's at Culture Machine uh, on Instagram to uh, to be a part of this series with us. Uh, Brendan, what do we got? Yes, we have a question um, from Instagram user Hear Me Find. Um, they ask. How is Issa affected by the race crisis currently happening? Is that affecting the writing on her current projects? Is she, uh, is that affecting her choices in future projects? So I think we kind of touched on that a little bit, but is there, is there anything more that you want to say there, Issa, um, just about, you know, how you guys are responding to what's going on in the art specifically? I don't think that I feel, uh, it necessary to respond until something changes. So in short, it's being, it's affecting my personal life. It's ex- affecting the work that I'm doing on the ground behind the scenes. Uh, it's affecting the work that I'm doing, you know, in, in trying to change the landscape of, of the election and not just the presidential election, but as far as my work is concerned, not yet. Hmm. Well, you know, I think, uh, I I also want to highlight the fact that you have always been like this, but especially now, um, you know, really being about the community. Is there any place that you would like to point the listeners to uh, if they are somehow still asking the question, what do I do uh, by the time this podcast comes out? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think support the people's budget. I think um, if you're really committed to to changing, I'm, I'm very focused on police brutality and ending that. And I think it's it's really important to consider defunding the police. And I think that that is more than reform. Some of these policies that are happening are already in place and they're not making a difference. And we need to have a real conversation about um, sending funds to to places that can actually and services that can that can actually help people. Yeah. Um, as opposed to making people the enemy. And that's a scary conversation to have. And I frankly think that we can't talk about fully abolishing the police until we talk about gun reform and gun control in this country. Those are in tandem, but we need to at least take these steps to reallocate resources. And so you can support the People's Budget, which is the Black Lives Matter initiative and and give your money. Wow, that's great. Thank you, Issa, for always showing us how to be human beings and to be wonderful. Uh, And now it is time for our last segment, Don't At Me, which is not at all stolen from Watch What Happens Live. I didn't steal (laughs) this. Um, Andy Cohen began to do this after I told him about it. Uh, Is that actually true? No, (laughs) it's not at all. I was over here believing you about to boycott. No, girl, no, girl. I'm not famous enough to talk to Andy Cohen. Okay, so anyway, the point is, though, is that uh, I got three questions. You can say don't at me to any of them, but you can only say that once, and they're going to get a little bit harder as I go along, Issa. Get ready. First question. Top five television shows right now. Five television shows right now that you're loving yeah what's your top five shows it doesn't have to be of all time it doesn't have to be you know it just what like just right now in your life what's the top five right now uh top five i mean i was i'm really loving it's only been two episodes but i'm really loving i may destroy you oh um, yeah I, yeah no lie a couple of weeks ago just rewatched the second season of dear white people because i love it so much especially at now i was actually um, writing something in reference. 
Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. You didn't have to do that, but thank you. Um, and uh, Watchmen, I'm just going to say, because the uh, date reference is Juneteenth. And it, it's just Tulsa, like so much is on our mind in the conversation right now. Uh, I'll say I have two more. You got two more. And, and, and bring, bring them lips closer to the mic. That was a very weird way oh. for me to say that, but I said it. Um, Veep. Oh, okay. We watched that, and um, this is so annoying. I know. I really hate this question when people ask me, and I'm really sorry to do it to you, but it's the show. They're making me do it. Legendary. I'm watching that on HBO Max. Oh, I love Legendary. Oh my god. It's so good. I'm so excited for them because I'm like, how this should be gay sports or, or maybe not gay because like non-gay people watch it, but it's like, th- yeah. this should be like a thing. Like these people need to be famous. They need clothing lines and like albums and like, I love it. Everything. Okay, so second question. If you were in Issa's position at the end of the season, what would you have done, girl? This was a fan question. If I were in Issa's position? Yeah, if you were in Issa D's position, and you got you had you know you Lawrence come over and tell you what he got to tell you, what you what what would, what would you do? What would the real Issa do? The real me uh, would walk away. Ooh, don't walk away, D. Okay, uh, and then finally, <laughs> you're gonna be fine on this one. Fuck Mary Kill, Nathan, okay. Lawrence, Daniel. Nathan Lawrence Daniel, fuck Mary Kill. I'm going to kill Lawrence. I'm going he has, to. He has to die, obviously. He has to. I'm going to fuck Daniel and I'm going oh. to marry Nathan. Thank that you. Issa Ray's choice. Finally, someone is listening to me. I really. No, I that's not. I, I, was, I would like to make clear that it was not influenced by Justin in any way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you well I love that you know I love Nathan I love Kendrick too and um, thank you so much Issa you didn't say don't at me once congratulations um, we are going to send you a gift card to Sizzlers uh, in the mail <laughs> it'll get there in three to five um, weeks and we hope you enjoy that <laughs> don't at me you continue to remain not shit so I appreciate you for that Thank well, I, I I love I love you and thank you for gracing us and the listeners and me personally with your presence. Thank you so much, Issa. That's our show. It's time for the credits. Jason Smith, CEO of Starburns Audio, our producer. Jessica Gutierrez, our audio engineer. Judith Cargbo, production coordinator. Chris Bowers did the theme song. Dominic German did additional tracks. Aaliyah Jihad and Brendan Smith produced the hell out of the show for Culture Machine. Thanks, y'all. Starbands Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.